Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Newton podcast. This podcast seeks to share the truth of God's Word through the sermons and other teachings of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Newton, Kansas. We hope these episodes will be a blessing to you and your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Open up to Acts chapter 21. And if you looked at your bulletin and the notes and, and what the message is, and you notice that it says Acts 21 through 23, that's not a misprint. It's not a typo. I, we looked at last week where Paul preached from early afternoon to midnight and then midnight to, to six or so in the morning. I wanted to try my hand at that, so I picked three chapters. Um, so I hope you don't have plans. I hope you have the Chiefs game and all the other games you want to watch recorded so you can see it later. Um, it'll be there waiting. I'm really not going to take that long, I hope. And we're not going to read all three chapters. We're going to see little bits here and there, and I'll summarize some of it. But as I was preparing and reading through what are we, what are we seeing next in Acts, this, this whole section, all three of these chapters is just one after the other. It's the same event that's going on, and so it's hard to say, okay, we're going to stop the story here, and so I said, we're not. We're not going to stop the story. We're going to see all of it. Um, so we'll be in three chapters this morning, so hopefully you'll be able to follow along, and, and hopefully I'll make sense as we go. How many of you, though, have, have started something? I know it's not spring, even though I'm wearing this floral shirt. Some some spring cleaning or something like that, some task that you set out to complete, but during the process of completing it, you forgot what exactly it was that you were trying to do in the beginning. Is that just me, or are you guys similar in that way? For instance, you may start cleaning the house because people are coming over, but during the process, you get distracted while taking something out to the garage that doesn't need to be in the house anymore, and and you notice while you're in the garage that a few things are out of place. And if it's like our garage, everything is out of place. And so you start, you know, I'll, I'll just put this here. It'll make it easier for later. And you just start putting things away and organizing. And then you realize, hey, that fridge over there, I haven't gone through it in a while. I'm going to open it up, see what's expired. What do I need to throw away? And so you do that. And then you look over and there's the deep freeze and you're like, there's some stuff in there that doesn't need to be in there anymore, and so you go through that, and you, you throw the things away that don't need to be in there, and then you think, wow, now I just messed everything up in there. i got to organize it, and so you start organizing this freezer, and then you finish that, and you look up, and it's been four hours, and the thing that you set out to do, clean the house, has not been done, and there's no time to do it anymore. You missed your chance because you got distracted. That's happened to me, not necessarily to that extent, but it's easy to do. You, you start doing one thing, and then you just notice other things going on that you get distracted with. You miss the mission. This morning, we're going to see people that completely miss the mission that God has given them. They start worrying about things that don't really matter and don't pertain to the mission, and it gets to the point where the mission that God has given is completely missed. The reasons that they get distracted and miss the mission, however, are not unique to them. They're some of the very same reasons that we ourselves can be distracted with and miss the mission that God has given us. 
So as we get into the text, I'll just briefly remind you where we were at in Acts. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and his goal, if you remember from Acts 19, he says this, After these events, Paul resolved by the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem. He says, after I've been there, it's necessary for me to see Rome as well. So we have this plan. I'm going to go back through all these places I've been. I'm going to get to Jerusalem, and then I want to get to Rome. It's necessary for me to get there. Well, so far we've seen him last week go through all of these places on his way to Jerusalem. And where we pick up in the story now is he's almost to Jerusalem. He's almost gone through all these places, and he stops in Philip's house in Caesarea. And it's here where we get the first instance of people who are missing the mission. And so the first reason we see for people, why people miss the mission, why sometimes we miss the mission, is because we forget the call that we've been given. We forget the call to follow Jesus. We see, read with me in Acts 21, 10 to 14. Verses 10 to 14. After we had been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands, and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When he heard this, when we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul replied, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we said no more except the Lord's will be done. So we see the first instance, the first reason why we often miss the mission. And it's because we forget the call. We see a prophet here come down. Meet with those gathered in Philip's house. And this prophet, he has been given this uh, information by the Spirit. And he takes Paul's belt from him. He wraps his hands and his feet. And he says, whoever owns this belt, like they didn't know who owned the belt. Whoever owns this belt, this is going to happen to him. And he's going to get delivered to the Gentiles. And so what do the people do in hearing this? They plead with Paul. Don't go, Paul. Please stay here. Stay where it's safe. Stay where we're at, where we can make sure that that doesn't happen. Paul, don't go to this. If you know that's going to happen, then why would you go? These believers here in Philip's house, though their heart may be in the right place, they care about Paul. They don't want Paul to die. They don't want him to be imprisoned. But they ultimately miss the mission. The mission that God had given Paul specifically, and in reality, the one that God has given all of his followers. And this call is the call to make disciples of all nations, to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Paul would do this through suffering for the name of Jesus. Our call is not different. We are called to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus. Paul elsewhere says that for him to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he backs that up. It's not just this cute phrase that we put on coffee mugs. This is life for Paul. He says to live is Christ, to die is gain. He backs up that reality. He's facing chains, imprisonment, and even death. 
He even told them earlier in Acts, this was the reality for all believers. Acts 14.22, he said, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. This was not a surprise for the people. This was not a surprise for Paul. He was willing to do this. He was willing to go. Look at what he says. What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? I'm, not only, I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. That was the call that God gave to Paul in Acts 9. If you want to turn there, you can. Or you can just listen. Acts 9, this is what it says. This is the Lord talking to Ananias who is to go to meet Paul. The Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Paul didn't miss the call. He didn't miss the mission. This was all that God had called him to do. And this is what he was going to do by God's grace. He was going to take it no matter what. The call to discipleship, the call to follow Jesus is a call to suffer for the name of Jesus and to do whatever he's called you to do, come what may. And Paul knew that. Paul went after that. So he weeps, they weep, and he continues on. And they say the Lord's will be done, which is all we can really always say. God's will be done. Lord, you are in charge. Lead me where you want me, and I trust you. They miss the mission because they forget the call. It's not a call to comfort. It's a call to die for Christ if necessary, to follow him. The second thing, picking up in Acts 21, 17 to 25, the second reason that we can miss the mission is we confuse law and tradition with the gospel. We confuse law and tradition with the gospel. Here we are in Acts 21, 17. When we reached Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters welcomed us warmly. The following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they glorified God and said, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. But they, have, but they have been informed about you, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. So what is to be done? They will certainly hear that you've come. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have made a vow. Take these men, purify yourself along with them, and pay for them to get their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that what they were told about you amounts to nothing, but that you yourself are also careful about observing the law. With regard to the Gentiles who have believed, we've written a letter containing our decision that they should keep themselves from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from what is strangled, and from sexual immorality. Paul is now finally in Jerusalem. 
And he receives a warm welcome when he enters in from the brothers and sisters there. And he goes before James and all the elders and he tells them everything that God had been doing among the Gentiles. Things like burning their magic books because they won Jesus, they don't want this anymore. Holding Jesus' name in high esteem. Disrupting the idol market. People don't want to buy idols anymore and the idol makers hate it. All these things are happening. And the elders hear it and they glorify God. Praise God. People are believing. Amen. Great job, Paul. But then almost immediately after revealing that, they reveal they are missing the mission too. After hearing all of the things that God was doing among the Gentiles, they essentially say, that's great. That's awesome. But here's the problem. There are all these Jews who have become believers that are zealous for the law, that are hearing that you're telling Jews that are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, to abandon the customs of the Jews. They're going to hear that you're here. And what are we going to do about it, Paul, is what James says. That's great, Paul. Gentiles are believing. But what about this? We got to fix this because there are these Jews that have believed that are not happy. They think you're doing these things that are going against the law and against the customs of our people. Now, I do believe James was trying to keep the peace and offer up a solution, keeping unity. And so he says, here's what you need to do, Paul. You need to be a team player. You need to show them that that's not true, that you're not doing what they think you're doing. There's these four men. They've made a vow. They need to go to the temple and do according to the custom what is required. Go with them. Purify yourself. Follow the customs. Follow the law. Pay for their heads to be shaved. Pay for their sacrifices that they're going to need. If you do this, then... All these Jews that are upset, they're going to know, they're going to hear it, and they're going to know that that's not true, that you are a team player, that you are careful about observing the law. Now Paul, again, he doesn't miss the mission. He goes along with it. He does what James asks him to do for the sake of unity in the church. And it's ultimately because Paul wants to be all things to all people so that whoever he can save is saved. This is what he says, to the Jews I became like a Jew to win Jews, to those under the law like one under the law, though my, I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. But the reality is, he shouldn't have to do this here. He shouldn't have to do what James and the elders are asking him to do. He's only asked to do this because these group, this group of Jews zealous for the law and their traditions are missing the mission. They're missing the point. Because the mission is not primarily, let's be zealous for the law and the customs of the Jewish people and make sure everyone else is too and that the Gentiles don't mess that up. Because that's their attitude here. Paul, you're forgetting our people. You're forgetting our law. You need to follow it. That's important, Paul. You need to do this. They're confusing the mission, which is to go and make disciples, to be witnesses with... Let's keep the law. Let's hold on to our traditions. Let's police our fellow Jews so that they do the same thing. The reality is, is they are no longer under the law, though. They're not under the law anymore. They've been freed from it. Everyone who's trusted in Jesus is now under the law of grace, which means, sure, they are free to keep practicing their traditions and keeping the law, 
but they can't elevate it to the place where it's works-based righteousness or that they have to earn salvation by keeping the law. They can't do that. Or this mentality that everyone needs to do exactly as I do. That's unbiblical. That's not right. That's missing the mission. They should not be seeking to burden their brothers and sisters in Christ by putting a yoke on them that Jesus has taken off. He's fulfilled the law for them. They don't need to keep it anymore. Because if they keep this up, if these Jews keep this up and keep missing the mission, they will end up putting back up the dividing wall of hostility that was between the Jews and Gentiles. The one that Jesus has broken down where he's made the two groups into one. But they like to think that they're still separate. Paul, you're not keeping the law anymore. You're not holding to our customs. And it's because these Gentiles, right, isn't it? Because you've been with these Gentiles and they're corrupting you. And oh, how I wish this, this mentality was a thing of the past in the church. And I'm not necessarily talking about our church in specific. I'm talking about the church in general here. But if we aren't careful, our church too can fall into the same mentality, this mentality that misses the mission by elevating law and tradition. That says you have to live how we think you should live. Now, I'm excluding sin here. <laughs> So if it's sinful, then no, you can't do it. But there are gray areas and things where Christian liberty can fall in. And for us to say, you can't do that because I don't like it, or you can't do that because that pricks my conscience, that's not okay. We can't do that. These Jewish believers were more concerned with whether or not Paul and their Jewish brothers and sisters were keeping the law and customs. They were more concerned with that then they were concerned that the gospel was going forth among the Gentiles. They were, they were not concerned about that. They may say, that's cool, but let's get back to the law. Let's get back to the customs. Let's make sure we're being good Jews here. Today, this mentality among believers that is more concerned with making sure everyone lives exactly as they think they should rather than letting people exercise Christian liberty in areas and allowing the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit is called to do, bring about sanctification, is dangerous. There are believers with this mentality that is more concerned with asking people to come, become more like them in their thoughts, opinions, preferences, and practices than calling people to repent of their sins and follow Jesus and pursue holiness. They want to make, they want to make disciples of themselves rather than making disciples of Jesus. That's essentially what this mentality does. And those with this mentality, sadly, would rather have a church of 15 people that are exactly like them in every way than have a church of 1,500 people that are different in many ways but are united in Christ, focused on the mission of reaching people for Christ and living holy lives. That's what happens with this mentality. Let me give you some examples of this in action. Again... I'm not necessarily talking about us, but just in case, you can tuck your toes under a little bit. I'm not thinking of anybody here, but if it lands on you, then that's the spirit, not me, okay? People who have this mentality, who miss the mission 
are more concerned with whether or not the church sings traditional hymns, modern hymns, or contemporary than they are that people are singing praises to the king. That's what happens. If, if it's all about, well, I, you know, we ought to sing this song and this song and this song and not these songs that are glorifying to God any way you do it, then, then what are we doing? If it's not about just people are singing praises to the King of kings and Lord of lords, then what is it about? It's about preferences at that point. And that's dangerous. People who have this mentality, the second example, people who have this mentality and miss the mission are more concerned with whether or not someone has a tattoo than they are whether or not they have a new heart in Christ. That happens in churches. You have a tattoo? Oh my goodness. That, we can't have that. And not, do you know Jesus? Can I tell you about him? Can, can I tell you how he can give you a new heart? Where there was a heart of stone, now you can have a heart of flesh? Can I tell you about that? That's dangerous to focus on the one and not the other. People who have this mentality and miss the mission are more concerned with whether or not someone had a glass of wine at dinner than they are with whether or not the person has been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. If you're focused on, well, I, they better not drink. They better not. Can I, I'm, again, I'm, I'll get some letters this week, I think. <laughs> Drinking isn't sinful. Can we, can we be clear on that? There's nowhere in the Bible that says you should not have a drink. It does say don't get drunk. That's sinful. Paul even tells Timothy, hey, have a sip of wine to help your stomach. So if we're going to say you can't drink, then we got a problem with Paul. I do think there's a dangerous precedent saying if you're around people that have a struggle with that, you shouldn't drink. You don't want to cause them to stumble. But if we're elevating these laws and traditions over the gospel, that's a problem. They need to be washed in the blood of Jesus, which, by the way, was pictured with wine. That's the real heart of the mission. The last one, before I get ran off the stage, people who have this mentality and miss the mission are more concerned with what people are wearing to church than they are concerned that people are in church clothed with Christ. If you're more concerned about what people wear in church than you are that they're in church praising Christ, then that's a problem because that's what these Jews are doing essentially. They're saying, Paul, you got to keep the customs. you got to keep the law, even though that was no longer a reality for them. Christ freed them from that. He fulfilled the law because they couldn't, and we can't. Now, I want to add, you can have a preference and an opinion about song types, tattoos, alcohol, clothing, all of that. You can have an opinion on it. But they should never cause us to miss the mission. They should never cause that. Because this type of mentality that would elevate law and tradition over mission has no place in the church. Don't miss the mission, which is to see as many people as possible redeemed by Jesus and living for him. That's the thrust of the church. That's why we're here. The third thing. The third reason that we can miss the mission is because others are different than me. This is Acts 21, verses 27 to 29. 
When the seven days were nearly over, this is Paul, he actually goes and does what James said. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd, and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help! This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people, our law, and this place. What's more, he has also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Paul, again, whose heart and focus was all about the mission, keeps the unity. He goes and does what James says. So Paul and these four men go to the temple to finish what they needed to do, and he's noticed by some unbelieving Jews, and here's what they say. They bring this accusation that Paul had been preaching against the Jewish people, that he'd been preaching against the law, that he'd been preaching against the temple, which were not real, were not true. He hadn't been doing that. But the real issue that causes them to seize Paul, to then pursue to beat him almost to death, if they could have, they would have killed him in this moment. What causes them to do this is because they think he brought Greeks, Gentiles, into the temple, defiling it. Now these Jews, unfortunately, but unsurprisingly, missed the mission they were given. They are so angry with the thought of a Gentile being in the temple that they don't understand God himself in his word declared that was the mission, that Gentiles were to be welcomed in to his holy place. This is Isaiah 56. As for the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to become his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold firmly to my covenant... I will bring them into my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. They were angry that Gentiles were coming in, but that was the mission. The mission of God was for people of all nations who join themselves to Him, who love Him, who love His name, who become His servants, to enter into His holy presence. That was the mission. And what's so ironic about this is that these Jews who are so enraged about the temple being defiled are the ones who actually are defiling the temple. They're the ones that are defiling the temple. It wasn't Paul, because he didn't actually bring Greeks in. They just think he did. But there caring about this building so much. But the reality was that it was no longer the true temple. The temple is now every person who has called on the name of the Lord and received His Spirit. That is now the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But what are these Jews doing? They're defiling the temple by beating Paul and trying to kill him. The only reason that they fail in doing so and killing Paul in that moment was because Roman soldiers came and broke it up and seized Paul. You know, that's something cool. This is just a side note. They put him in two chains just like the prophet said would happen. Paul, don't go. That's going to happen to you. Well, it, it did. It happened. He was seized and put in two chains. He was delivered to the Gentiles, the Romans. Paul is taken away then, but before he goes in to the barracks 
he asked to speak to the people who just tried to kill him, these Jews. And in his speech, he tells them his testimony and how God got a hold of him and showed him the true mission, the mission that they were missing. He gives his testimony in in chapter 22 and 1 to 21. I'm not going to read it. Hopefully we all got a pretty good idea of Paul's testimony. Here it is. He's a Jew. He was trained by Gamaliel, a well-known, respected... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Jewish guy. There you go. He was zealous for God. He persecuted the way. He sought to kill and imprison those who followed the way, both men and women. He didn't show partiality. He said he was on his way to Damascus when Jesus interrupted his plans. And he told them of what, Paul, of what Jesus said to him and what he called Paul to do, what we read earlier. And they listened. They were listening to Paul as he was speaking. They were listening. Okay, yeah, we're following you, Paul. Yeah, good job persecuting the way. But when he said that Jesus was calling him to go to the Gentiles, when they heard that, they began to shout, wipe him off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. All because they missed the mission of God that he clearly gave not only to Paul, but to them, the Jewish people. The Jewish people were God's chosen people to call the world to himself. They were the ones that God brought the Messiah Jesus from. It was through them that the world was supposed to be called to believe in him. But many missed the mission because they could not handle the thought of those different than them being welcomed in. And we can't follow in their footsteps. We can't. We cannot miss the mission. Us, we, the church, have been given the mission and responsibility to preach the name of Jesus so that all who would believe would be welcomed in. And that includes those of a different background than us, blue collar, white collar, rich, poor, doesn't matter, educated, uneducated, those of a different ethnicity than us, those of a different nationality than us, doesn't matter where they're from. Even those, and this is the one, tuck your toes again, even those of a different political party than us. Are you excited that the elections are already ramping up, which is not fun? Because our goal is not to win people to whatever party we most align with. That's not our goal. That's not our mission. Our goal is instead to focus on the mission to make disciples, to be Jesus' witnesses, which has no political affiliation qualifier, no ethnic qualifier, national qualifier, or anything else that makes us different. It does not matter. The mission is go take the gospel to them so that they believe and are welcomed in to the now true temple of the church. That's the mission. But we can miss the mission if we're more worried about those people coming in than we are, let's go get those people and bring them in. We can miss the mission in that way. The fourth way we can miss the mission, we forget it's all about Jesus. We can forget that it's all about Jesus. This is Acts 22, 30 into 23, 10. 22, 30 to 23:10 The next day, since he wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and instructed the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin to convene. 
He brought Paul down and placed him before them. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience to this day. The high priest Ananias ordered that he, those who were standing next to him strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. You are sitting there judging me according to the law, and yet in violation of the law, are you ordering me to be struck? Those standing nearby said, Do you dare revile God's high priest? I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, replied Paul, for it is written, You must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the Sanhedrin, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection and neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees affirm them all. The shouting grew loud, and some of the scribes and Pharisees of the Pharisees' party got up and argued vehemently, We find nothing evil in this man. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? When the dispute became violent, the commander feared that Paul might be torn apart by them and ordered the troops to go down, take him away from them, and bring him into the barracks. Here we are. The last reason we see that causes people to miss the mission is that they forget it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. After Paul gives his testimony and the people yell to kill him, the Romans take him away and they try to figure out what is going on here. Why do they hate you so much? And they were about to lash him to get him to talk, but because he was a Roman citizen, they stopped. Nevertheless, they still wanted to know, Paul, why is this going on? And so they take him to stand in front of the Sanhedrin because they think it's about their law and their customs, which really it kind of was. And so they take him and here's what I believe we see happening. Paul is standing before two groups that don't like each other to begin with, and both of whom miss the mission because they miss Jesus. Paul knows this and uses it to get out of the situation, making them look ridiculous in the process. And both of these groups, they miss the mission because they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. Even the Pharisees who, who side with Paul here, even them, they believe in the resurrection but they miss that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. They don't like Paul because Paul preaches Jesus, but they like Paul enough to hate on the Sadducees because he believes in resurrection and they don't. These groups were so caught up in playing church that they missed the most important thing, Jesus. They wanted to keep the law going. They wanted to keep being the moral police of the day that they were so angry because they disagreed on this one point that they don't realize that they disagree or they actually agree that Jesus for them isn't the answer. They miss the point. They're too busy caught up playing church. And I think if we aren't careful, we can inadvertently walk down this same path of missing the point by just playing church. We can get so caught up in the activities of church, convening a Sanhedrin, which in and of themselves are not bad. The activities of the church aren't bad. But if we turn them into the main thing and lose Jesus in the process, that's a problem. 
We can get so caught up in religious duties, which again are not bad, they just aren't the main point. We get caught up in things like church attendance, come to church, <laughs> I'm not saying don't, but we get so caught up in, well, we got to be there because it's Sunday or it's Wednesday, we got to be in Sunday school because that's a good Christian thing to do, we got to be in Bible study on Wednesday night because if we don't, people will talk, we got to be in prayer meeting because we're supposed to pray. We got to support the encounter ministry because that's right. If we don't, then people are going to think, well, we just don't care about the next generation, things like that. If we get so caught up in those things and keeping them going and making sure we're checking them off our list, that we forget we go to participate and we lead in them, not just to check it off a list, but because of Jesus. That's why we're here. I hope that's why you're here. We're here because of Jesus. We go to Bible study on Wednesday night because of Jesus. We have Sunday school because of Jesus. We have encounter ministry because of Jesus. We pray because of Jesus. Everything we do in life, and especially in the church, finds its beginning and its end in Jesus. We do it because we love Jesus. We do it because we want others to love Jesus. That's the whole point. That's the main focus of the church, of our lives, is we do everything because of Jesus, because we love Him, and we want to obey Him. If we do it for any other reason, we're missing the mission too. They like to play church. They like to play Jewish ruling council, and they missed Jesus. They got to keep their authority for a while. They got to keep their power, but they don't have life. That resurrection the Pharisees believe in, they'll be a part of it, but not in a positive way. They're not going to be resurrected and go with Jesus. They're going to be resurrected and sent to hell because they miss Jesus. So church, don't miss the mission. Don't miss it because it's easy to miss if we're not careful. Don't miss it by forgetting the call. You were called, I was called to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus. Come what may. Whatever happens, happens. I'm trusting the Lord. I want to be faithful to Him. Don't miss the mission by confusing law and tradition with the gospel. You can have your opinions. You can have your thoughts. But if it's not sinful, don't cause others to stumble and put a yoke on them that doesn't need to be there. We can have Christian liberty. Don't miss the mission by rejecting those who are different. All are to be welcomed in. If they believe in Jesus, if they repent of their sins, they can come in. And don't, forget, and don't miss the mission by forgetting that it's all about Jesus. Everything we do. Those are the four things, four reasons that we see here of how we can miss the mission. Examples of people missing the mission. But I'll end with this. There is good news. God doesn't miss the mission. He doesn't. He gets Paul where he wants him. Acts 23.11. This is after the Sanhedrin debacle. The following night, the Lord stood by him, that is Paul, and said, Have courage, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify in Rome. Remember back Acts 19, 
The Spirit laid on Paul's heart, I need to go to Macedonia, Achaia, Jerusalem, and then it's necessary for me to go to Rome. Now it's looking iffy. He's been tried to be killed twice so far now. But Jesus comes to him and says, no, you're going to get to Rome. It's necessary for you to get to Rome. You'll get there. I'll get you there. Jesus doesn't miss the mission. Paul, after this, with the Sanhedrin, he ends up being taken away by the Jews, or being taken away, but the Jews aren't satisfied. The Romans take him away, but the Jews conspire to kill Paul through a trick. But Paul's nephew hears of the plot to kill Paul, goes to him, warns Paul. Paul tells him, go to the commander of the Roman people that have taken me. Go to him, tell him your story. So he does this. The commander then orders 200 centurions and 70 cavalry. It's a little overkill maybe. But he orders all of them to get ready to take Paul, who's been provided a mount to ride, take him to Felix the governor under the cover of night, and he sends a letter with them detailing the events. Here's what's happening. Here's why we're sending Paul. Make sure he's safe. Paul is taken. He's presented to the governor and is kept under guard in Herod's palace. He gets him where he needs to go. He's making sure that Paul is going to get to Rome. He's keeping him safe. And church, that's good news for us. If Jesus told Paul he would get him to Rome, nothing was going to stop that from happening. The same is true for us. He told us to go and that he would be with us every step of the way. There is not a step that you and I could take, that our church could take, that was without Jesus. If we are following the call, then Jesus has been with us every step of the way. He has a plan, and he's going to execute it. He's got a plan for you, for me, and for his church. He will accomplish it without missing the mission. He will not be like us and get distracted at times. He knows what he's doing And he's bringing about everything the way that he has planned it from before the beginning of the world. Go make disciples, be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, and I'll be with you till the end of the age. He doesn't miss the mission. Let's make sure we don't miss the mission either. Thank you for listening to this recording of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Newton, Kansas. We hope that the biblical truths presented in this podcast will help you in your walk with Jesus. If you do not have a church home, we invite you to join us here at 1045 on Sunday mornings. You can find the church address as well as other information about our church at ibcnewton.org. Whether you are able to join us here in person or not, we hope that you will find a Bible-believing church near you to join as you continue to follow Jesus.